What's going on, guys? It is ACC Basketball Report episode number 55, and today we have the return of friend of the program, Harold T. Little. He is a father of current North Carolina forward Nasir Little, who was a top five recruit in the 2018 uh, recruiting cycle. Harold has been on ACC BR either two or three times before and has always been uh, one of the more popular episodes and, and certainly one of the most popular guests that I've ever had on the podcast. Today, I thought was a really, really cool interview. Um, you know, T, uh, we talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about UNC. We talked, of course, about Nasir. We talked about the Duke-Louisville uh, game. I did a little bit of a lightning round with him and threw some names at him, and he gave me some thoughts. And... You know, for, for those of you who may not, you know, I, I know the numbers are up a little bit, so some of you guys may not have heard some of the previous uh, conversations with T. He's just a really genuine guy. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Uh, nice guy, articulate, knows basketball, and he is the quintessential family guy. And, you know, I say every time on these, on these intros that he is a – this family is an example of how I think the recruitment process should go in college basketball and and how what what can happen when you have people that actually care about the kid giving him instruction and 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 guiding him through the process and I think it's it's kind of worked out for everybody and unfortunately all kids aren't in that that situation but I think, you know, there's a reason that this me and this guy talk a lot, and there's a reason that I have so much respect for him, and why I enjoy his son so much as a player. And T's just he's just a good guy, and you know, all I got to do is, is is throw up the bat signal, and he's he's ready to go, and he's ready to talk basketball. He's a big ACC fan, and uh, you know, it was just a pleasure to to connect with him again today, and uh, and get caught up on how Nasir's freshman season has gone in in his eyes. And uh, I'm not, I'm not huge on talking to the kids. I, you know, I, I'm a 35 year old dude. I, I'm not, I, I can't do the hey, let's sit down with an 18 year old kid and try to get some kind of hot take out of him. That's that's not what I'm about. I'm, I, you know, I'm an adult. I want to have adult conversations, and I don't want to be seen as a guy who maybe takes advantage of, <clears throat> you know, these young guys that have such bright futures. So. T is one of my favorite people in the ACC circles as far as a guy that I've gotten to know since I started this podcast. And I'm, I'm thankful that uh, he, he's so willing to, to share some of his time with me. So uh, here he is, episode number 55. This is the return of Harold Little. Peace. T, what's going on, man? Um, just here, man. Just uh, just chilling on this uh, lovely President's Day. Yeah, I hear you. I actually had to go to work today and realized <laughs> oh, that a, a bunch of people that I typically work with were not working today. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I checked uh, my TD Ameritrade account and some other stuff today, and there was zero movement on any of. Anything that I've got any money, and I said, "What is going on today?" And, right, uh, and, and it popped up. Oh, by the way, today's a holiday, and there's no trading today. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so how's things? Ah, oh, man, just you know, just I think um, if you've talked to any other parents who have uh, 
kids in college, the ups and downs, the frustrations, the goods, the bads, you know, everything. I hear you, I hear you. So, uh, you know, jumping right in, um, what is your, you know, I'm, I'm glad you kind of you kind of got me halfway there, but uh, what are your thoughts overall on, uh, on this year's freshman season? Um, I think, like, for me, um, I'm happy about his ability to persevere through some of the things that might not be optimum. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's still just, he's trying to, find the best in not the best situation okay and he's just playing hard and trying to positively contribute to the team you know so i'm thrilled about that um then very recently he's been nicked up a little bit with ankle injury Mm -hmm. then with the um injury to his sternum on saturday so injuries in in back-to-back games you know has been kind of he's never he's never really had that before so this is something new that he's encountering and just trying to deal with those things. And then just trying to reconcile some of your, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Like, you know how you have your, your preconceived notions of what uh, college athletics is going to be like? Sure. So then taking your what your preconceived notions are and reconciling them with the reality of things. And, and and then just trying to adjust accordingly. So, you know, that, that's basically it. <laughs> so, so when you say when you say not the not the best situation, is that a is that a product of some of the the media attention that he's received as far as being such a hyped up uh, incoming you know potential one and done prospect, or is that or is that a factor of something else? No, it's um it's not the expectations. I don't think that there was really too much as far as from our perspective or from Nasir's perspective. And I don't really want to speak for him, Mm -hmm. but just, just gleaning this from the conversations that he and I have had Mm -hmm. with each other, you know, the expectations of what the media was saying that had no bearing on anything. Well, as far as I can tell, it was a, it was a fabrication that they kind of just, they made an assumption about, you know, what some kind of dynamic between, you know him, Nasir, and and Roy, and why he's not starting, and why this isn't happening, and they almost seem like they manufactured uh, a possible rift that I don't think really existed. Um, well, I, I don't. There's. I don't think there's a rift. I think I mean, what it, it is. It, what it is is more so. I think there's. There is just a different. I think it's. Um, you have a, a new school way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of a fit thing based on the basket basketball philosophy of, of coach of Coach Williams, and and his basketball philosophy for the team, I think is has kind of maybe not been the most perfect fit mm-hmm. for Nasir, because um, you know he's I think for any success that he's had he's he's kind of had to find his own way because they're like there are no plays run for him. Sure. And, um, and so he's trying to find his spots and just, you know, just for me, I just, you know, I'm just not seeing him getting the ball in the, in the spots where he'd be most successful. Yeah. And I think his transition from pre-college has not been parallel 
with what he was before he entered college. I think his transition, it was one where he had to change where where he would naturally excel. Sure. And and there's been a there's been a, a you know kind of there's been a departure from that from where he I guess for lack of a better term and I'm using air quotes here but where he would naturally play I don't think that he's been allowed to transition that was in line in how he naturally plays because if you'll notice the things that he did prior to coming to college he's not doing in college right. just because just because of what the basketball philosophy is you know if you compare it to other incoming freshmen, their transit they they didn't have to make a transition necessarily. It was just an an up ramp and what to to what they've always done. So the things that they've always done prior to entering their collegiate programs, they're doing now. Right. But but for whatever reason, you know, Nas has been asked to do things that you know that he that he's capable of doing, but it's just in, in a position where. It, it makes him look unnatural and, and it's not, it doesn't present the best. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach Williams has had a propensity in the past to not like to deviate or, or doesn't favor a, a style of play that goes away from him playing two interior bigs. Um, right. You know, we saw him go last year <clears throat> to, to Luke May at the five and he only did that. 20 games into the season and right. you know I think uh, I, I think that he likes the dynamic of, of Brooks and May and then you have a, a situation where if you want to play those two guys together then you've got you got Kobe and you got Kenny you got Cam Johnson um, Seventh Woods has played well um, you know Leaky Black when he's healthy along with Nasir you got you know six or seven guys that are all vying for those three spots and yeah. you know you, you got to keep Cam on the floor a majority of those minutes, I would think, and I, I think you got to keep Kobe on the floor. Um, the way that he he rolls in an offense is is incredible. So it, it makes it difficult. It's almost like an embarrassment of riches on this roster. And I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think maybe some of the pieces don't quite fit together, or maybe it's just Williams is having a hard time deviating from what he's traditionally done on the court. Yeah, I mean it's it's possible, but I guess for me, you know, it's for me it's hard for me to say because I am not your quintessential basketball guy. I know enough to be dangerous, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, and and even if I were to question, you know, what Coach Williams was able to do, what he's not able to do, what mm -hmm. his struggles may be, it would be unfair because who am I or who are many other people to question? someone who's had the success. That oh, absolutely. Had. Yeah, I mean, even so myself. You, I mean, I can't. The man's <laughs> won three national championships. Who am I? I'm just a right. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But so even the system works you, in the past. Yeah, so. Right. And even if you were and even if you were to say, you know, even if, even if, but let's say you are right. You know what I'm saying? Let's say that the naysayers are right. Sure. He can always counter with <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have three national I have three national championships. So obviously what I what I've always done works. So thank you, but I'm good. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so you brought it up briefly um, earlier. Uh, last Monday evening, uh, you know, I'm watching Virginia and, and North Carolina. Nasir goes down with a rolled ankle, I would assume. Um, nothing too serious because again, he played uh, this past Saturday. Right. After seeing how fast 
and and unexpected things can can take a turn and how that could potentially i mean you know rolled ankle land on somebody's foot that could easily be an acl or, or mcl um and seeing how that can affect nasir's aspirations as far as going to the next level and you know all that all that comes with that all that entails what are your thoughts on the one and done rule as opposed to going straight out of high school well, um, to to be honest with you, I, I switch. <laughs> I switch all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look at situations and say, oh, yeah, the one done is fine. But then other times I'm like, and guys should be able to allow to go, go out of high school if they can. Mm-hmm. Because there are all these little small things that go into all of that. And some of them make sense for some. And some of them don't make sense for that same person. And, and, you know, for every every little thing carries different weight with every player, mm-hmm. right? So all these things have to be considered. So if you look at it from a binary perspective, it's hard to say, for me, it's hard to say one way or the other. But then looking at our individual, our individual situation in regards to Nasir, we take in all these little small things and say, could it have been best for him? Maybe. But, you know, mm-hmm. who's to really say? Because you just don't know. And and I'm going to tell you, in our experiences since he's been at Carolina, that this is uncharted territory for us. You know, right. <laughs> and we, we've never been through this and, and won't ever go through it again. You know, not unless I go through it as a grandparent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but it's just like one of those things where it's just like you just look at everything and especially all of the ancillary things around it. And and you and it kind of changes your mind just based on what the circumstances are. So some days, um, you know, pumping my fist like God oh, down with one and done, <laughs> and then and then other days I'm like, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good idea that kids have to go to college for at least one year. Sure, you know, but um, but I guess from a philosophical standpoint, I'll say <sighs> I would do away with it. You know based on the, the structure of how the NCAA works. Sure. And and it's just, there's going to be good and bad about the whole thing, but to me, at its core, it's exploitive of the, of the athletes. Yes. And I think once a kid goes to a school, they lose all leverage. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. once you're there, once you sign that NLI, you're there, right? And if you have a change of heart, it's the 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 follow the follow up actions are punitive, and not something that you've done something bad. But if you be like you know this situation sucks, it's not working for me. Things are not what I was told they were going to be. I'm going to transfer, and then if you transfer, it's like yeah, but you're going to lose a year. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you can transfer, but you're not going to play for a year. Right. And now the kid loses a year. Well, now you lose well, three years. Less, yeah, yeah, generally speaking, yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. You know, so you lose that, and it's like you got to sit down for a year before you can play again. So then there's that perspective of it. And then just the money that's generated, even though, you know, even though you'll hear that um, revenue is in the negative because you got to put money here, you got to put money there. But there's money for everything else else except for kids and their families right. and 
And we can see with the most recent um, things that have happened with the NCAA, where it's never the schools that necessarily suffer. It's always the kids. Always. You look at you look at the situation with Silvio D'Souza. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what's going on with Dewan Hernandez, Nay Huel. Mm-hmm. You know, so you look at those. Just those are two glaring situations there, where the kids are being punished, but the schools have been implicated in things, but. They're still coaching, you know, they're still playing games and yeah. doing what they do. They're still getting paid. And so so what do you do? So where where is the fairness in the whole thing for the kids? Everybody says they're about the kids, but are you really? Well, I mean, Sean Miller's had to fire two thirds of his staff and and there he is, still, you know, running the sidelines. You know, there's yeah, there's exactly. a lot of people that, that think that D'Souza you know, because he came from Angola and he had a handler, you know, he had a guy that got him here and a, and a guy that, that that made things happen for him. He may, you know, it's, I think it's entirely likely that he had zero idea of what was going on behind his back by the people that were trying to, you know, ultimately get him an education, but ultimately probably latching on to a kid that was talented. And then, you know, the ACC... Uh, the Dewan Hernandez thing that that cost that school an NCAA tournament bid this year. I, I firmly believe that for mm. a hotel room that was less than five hundred dollars. I mean, I, yeah. you know, let, let's 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 pay it back and let the kid play. Uh, you know, I I, yeah. I don't understand what the big deal about that is. Um, yeah. When when I spoke to you last time, and I, I for those who may not know, you've been on two or three times before. Um, you know, you we brought up the uh, the Darius Baisley situation, um, mm-hmm. and, and you you didn't seem real receptive to 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 Nasir going overseas. As, you know, as a young man, unless you were able to go with him. Now, right. he had he had you know a lot of equity following the performance. We're talking about Nasir had a lot of equity due to his performances in the Jordan Brand Classic and the McDonald's All American Game. If if that. If that one and done rule didn't exist, would that the 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 equity that you guys built up there would that have swayed you? Because you said you've been kind of hot and cold on it. At, at that point, were you hot on, as far as going directly to the league? Would that have been at, at a point in time when you were you know let's go for it? No, no, actually, we were not because no. Nas wanted to go to college. Okay, it, it, that was just his dream. Because um, you have to remember, Nas started playing basketball late. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, in relation to his peers. So um, so what he did was when he started setting his goals, he was like, my goal is I want to play college ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think his early dreams w- weren't what things have become or what things became for him. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, we never saw any of any of the things that happened with him happen for him. He was just like, hey, I think I'm good enough to play college ball. So one of my goals, I want to go to college. So even after all of that, if there had not been a one and done rule, he probably probably would have gone to college anyway. Okay, you know, and would have been a, a de facto one and done. Yeah. So, um, so no, he he would have probably gone to college anyway. So even with any equity that was built up, I don't think it would have pushed us in that direction of him going to the pros. Um, because I just I'm not sure how beneficial it would have been it would have been for him. Um, Nas is a different, he's a different kid and his circumstances are a bit different than what some of his peers may be. So it's, so I think he didn't have the worry about 
oh, I got to do this for my family. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't mm-hmm. one, that wasn't one of his concerns. So you take that off the table and it changes your perspective. Sure. You know, either, either way you look at it, that's going to change the perspective. So that wasn't pushing, that wasn't an issue for him. Like I got to do this for my family. Cause if I don't do it, my family's going to be on the street or, sure. you know, everything's, everything's going to fall apart if I don't do this. And so that changed, that made our outlook different than what some others um, outlooks may have been. So yeah, I think that, you know, you, know, you hit it right on the head. That's a major, you know, impact as far as decisions go with with this sport. And unfortunately, I don't think it works out as often as maybe it should. And unfortunately, that that driving force. I think that is one of the main arguments for allowing these these athletes that generate so much revenue for the NCAA. To, right. to, to get a little something out of out of this, whereas they don't need to rush that decision, and they they're still able to you know at least provide something for their family, if not um, alleviate the burden that they they may have being at college for their family, right. as far as supplying them with 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 funds or anything like that. And I, I think that's 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 a great point. I think that's definitely an argument that that people should pursue. Right, and I think for um I think for us. Nasser just wouldn't have been ready for that, mm-hmm. just based on the just based on the way that he's been raised. He's been raised, mm-hmm. so just his transition into independent adulthood, mm-hmm. he wasn't at that point to to be ready to be on his own. And I think people want to go one and done, but pro basketball is a grown up world. Yes, sir. And even though you're eighteen you're still a kid. Right. I mean, you, you really are. And and there are things, even in the college setting, there, there are so many things that Nas does that shows that he's still a kid. Not necessarily things that are out in the public, but just dealing with me and his mother, mm-hmm. you know, shows us that he's still our, our baby boy. Sure. So, so, you know, then there's that aspect. And I just don't think, throwing him out there to the walls for all intents and purposes was really would have really been a good thing either. Right. So he, he needs some time to grow and develop. And I think that's, that's key. Some kids have um, rough and tumble lives where they can get out there. They can do their thing. My son's not one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's a silver spoon kid, but he's been pretty, you know, pretty <laughs> caught, pretty, pretty coddled. He's he's a very well loved kid, <laughs> and, and and it shows, you know, in some of the things that he's able to do, just as well as some of the things that he isn't able to do. So <laughs> there's that aspect of it too. I understand. I, I got gotcha. you. Um, I want to go back to the the, the Virginia game uh, the other last okay. week. Um, going into that game, uh, he'd been Nasir had been you know before he got injured in that game. Uh, the previous seven games leading up to that game, averaging about 12 and 6 and about 18 to 20 minutes, uh, shooting the ball a little bit more efficiently from the floor. And I thought his defense was starting to get there. His closeouts were looking better. I thought he was playing the pick and roll a little bit better. Now, in the seven games before that, six and a half points, three and a half rebounds, he was struggling a little bit. Was that uh, simply him getting acclimated to the speed of the game? Or has he just been hitting the gym? Or, or what? What? brought about that uh that change do you think no it i i can i can say wholeheartedly that it was not the speed of the game that may have been that may have proved to be the challenge okay i think what it was 
was his adjustment to his usage. Okay. And I think, like I said, the, the basketball philosophy at Carolina maybe didn't reconcile as much with the type of player that he is. But because he wants to contribute positively, he had his transition was his transition was a lot steeper than Kobe's. Because like I said, Kobe's transition was just more of what he's always of what he's always done sure. and what he's always been. But Nas wasn't that. So he was asked like I said, he was asked to do things that he you know, he didn't do on a regular basis before. And he was being put into this role. So I think that's what it may have been more than anything. And just like, hey, you know, what is it that you want me to do, coach? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is it that you want me to contribute? Tell me how you want me to fit. Tell me how you see me fitting now that I'm here. You know, so tell me what it is. And then just fitting into that role and doing his thing in that role. So he found his niche and and rolled with it is is yeah yeah okay he stopped trying to do maybe what had worked for him in the past and started kind of maybe adapting to the system i guess would be it. Yeah, yeah yeah because he because the system's not set up to do right what he did in the past right so if you try to take and do what you always done that was in a completely different system but the system that you move into isn't designed to accommodate that is going to look clunky mm-hmm. and you're going to, you're not going to look as good as you looked before. And I think that's what it was. More than well, hopefully, uh, you know, I, Carolina, other than G tech, Carolina is the team that I've probably watched the most this year. And right. I think, I think some of my, my fellow G tech fans are worried that I may cross over to the dark side when, you know, in reality, I just I just like to watch good basketball, and that's not something that's really yeah. coming out of Atlanta right now. Yeah, um, you'll, be, you'll be all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there eventually. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened last Tuesday. Uh, Duke goes to Louisville. Louisville oh, just yeah. just shellacks them basically in the first half, and, and for a good part of the the, the second half. They're up 23, nine minutes and eight seconds left. Louisville loses the game. What uh, what were your thoughts watching that game? Disbelief. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> disbelief was the first thing that I felt, right? But as we were watching the game, because for, for numerous reasons, I just refused to watch Duke play this <laughs> <laughs> My man. I love it. <laughs> I'm not watching them play, but there was really there were really no other games on it. Mm-hmm. Let's just watch it, you know. Let's let's just watch it. <laughs> and I was like, Nah, I really want to watch it. But then when Louisville started thumping that ass, I was like, Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, Man, right. So I was like pretty thrilled. Then I'm like, I'm like prognosticating. I'm like. Man, Louisville gives them this loss. It's going to be a three-way tie for first place in yeah. the ACC. Carolina's up there. You know, I'm going off and every all the scenarios, right? <laughs> then, as the lead started to dwindle, <laughs> I was like, they're going to come back and win this game. When did, when did you know? When did, when, at what point did you say Louisville's in trouble? When they got the lead down to under 15. Okay. Yep. Me too. And and it was still like six or seven minutes left, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> and I said, because they were up 23 with 10 minutes left, like 10.06 left, something like Nine, that. Nine, 9.08. <laughs> and I said, this is too much time. Yep. I said, they're up 23. This is a lot of time. But if they can keep scoring, they'll be okay. And if they can keep the leader at 16 points, they'll win the game. 
So when it was four minutes and they were only up like what three or four, yeah, I was like, that's over. This, game, this I said this game is over. Duke is winning this game. And when when McMahon took what initially they said was a charge, because I saw immediately that his foot was in the circle, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was like, they're going to call this back. And yeah. me and my wife were talking about it. And when they called that back and they hit the free throws, I knew, I was like, Duke's going to, and I told my wife, I said, Duke's going to win this game by two points. And they did. <laughs> so, and they did. Now, you know, in the past few weeks, uh, I've seen Duke, they, they, you know, they can complete this comeback with Louisville. Uh, they won a game at home against GTAC when they shot two for 21. They made one three yeah. in each half in that game. They beat Virginia and they shot two for 14. And that was the first game. And along with this comeback, how does this team, how, how do you beat this team and how does this team not win the title? You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't know what it is that allows them to win games, even shooting that terribly from three point, from three point range. I mean, it, I guess if I were left to my own devices, I would say it would be because of Coach K's Faustian deal. But realistically, I'll say that these kids are just good, yeah. and um, <laughs> and 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 they're and they're just playing well, and they're just in this sweet spot where they're where they just play hard and and they win games. I mean, you can't explain it any any differently than that in my eyes. They're just. I mean, to me, th- these guys, man, they're just they're just in a spot, man, where they're just everything is just working out in their favor. I, I and, think, and honestly, yeah. they're just a couple of plays from being undefeated. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that Zion, I mean, everybody knows Zion is great. He's going to be yeah. player of the year. He's going to be AC player. He's going to be number one pick in the draft. His yeah. ability to make insane and not only insane plays, but momentum shifting plays where like like the rest of his team feeds off of his energy and off of some of the craziness that he provides right is is unlike anything i've seen in a very long time i think right yeah and i think a lot a lot a lot of times too i think people don't understand how much energy translates man Mm -hmm. and just the energy that he brings and then it just the energy he brings changes the attitudes. So and and that attitude carries over to the physical. And then when you can kind of manifest your your attitude to the physical realm, that's what you end up with. You end up with a successful team. Mm-hmm. So outside of, I mean, we talked about Duke, we talked about Virginia a little bit, talked about UNC. Is okay. there is there another team in the ACC outside of that top three that has has impressed you and maybe made you think that they could make a run in March? Yeah, before it was Louisville. Yeah. Um, because I think at the beginning of the season, with all the turmoil they had the previous season, I didn't think that they were going. You know, just just from hangover, mm-hmm. that they may not have been able to do much. Um, it, it, not in the season, but just in ACC play. So then, when I watched them play early in the season, before even way before the Carolina game, um, I was talking to um to Nasir's trainer. Um, Daryl Harden and I was talking about man, you know, Louisville ain't looking that bad, you know, mm-hmm. and and they were just looking, you know, just kind of quietly making their way through the season. Then when they got to Carolina and and beat the brakes off Carolina in Chapel Hill, I was just like, man, this team is a lot better than people gave them credit for being. Yeah, I picked them and twelve. Then, <laughs> the <preseason. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and th- but then they went back and. and 
you know, proceed to lose what two of their next three or something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, so then they had that little run, and then then, then this thing happened with Duke, um, and then they struggled with Clemson mm-hmm. this weekend. So, you know, I, I, before I thought it was them. You know, then you kind of have that that iffiness, and I had that iffiness about Virginia Tech because mm-hmm. I always thought Virginia Tech was good. But then you watch them. The, I thought the game against Penn State was an outlier. I was like, yeah, that's an outlier. That yeah. can happen to anyone. Yeah. That can happen to anyone. And then you had the game against Virginia and against Carolina. And then you were like, okay, which team are they? Mm-hmm. But then you start looking at, okay, people are hurt. The Landers Nolly situation. Uh. And this is like everything was just hitting that team. So, And I, and I think they can still do it. They just got to kind of see what they can do without, um, what's his name, Robertson? Robinson, yep, Justin. Robinson, so Justin Robinson, if you know how long he's going to be out or whatever, and see what they can do. Because I think um, Nikhil Alexander, what's his name? Nikhil? Alexander Walker, yep. Alexander, yeah, he he can he can do some things. Oh, he's a lottery but, pick. He's, um, he's a yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's good. He, he's good. And, um, you know, how far he can carry them. And if they can find another person who can do the creation that Robinson did before he went down, I think they can still make a push. Um, not to say that they're going to necessarily be up there with um, Duke, Virginia, and Carolina, but they can make a push for it. And if they catch someone on a bad shooting day or where they're just not clicking, mm-hmm. they're going to take it. So, do you, think, do you think UNC has a legit shot at the national title this year? Um, well, it depends on your definition of legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they can, but it's going to depend on a few things. Um, I, I think that they're just going to have to be clicking on all cylinders and they're going to have to cut down on turnovers. Mm-hmm. If turnovers are limited, I think they're very viable as a national champion because they've shown that they can hit shots. Um, they they, they did have the depth, but as of late, you know, losing Nas, Leaky, Sterling's on the main, mm-hmm. you know, so losing some, you know, rotational pieces is going to hurt because they had a, 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 you know, they just had this wealth of riches for their depth. So um, that if that comes back, I think it makes things happen. But they got it. They got to limit turnovers and they got to hit shots. If they if they hit shots, they can beat anybody. And we saw that against Gonzaga. And this is when mm-hmm. Gonzaga was tearing up everybody, yeah. you know, you know, and they and and I don't care what anyone says, even though it was only a twelve point game in the end, man, they both raced Gonzaga. Oh yeah, lives. UNC spanked, <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah, that was you know. Yeah. So you know, so so I guess short answer, yes, I think they are viable, but but it's circumstantial based on how they shoot and how well they do with turnovers. Sure, yeah. Um, Something I've never done before, and we're gonna try it tonight. And you, you didn't say no, so I'm gonna go with it anyway. Um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple names out, and I just want just a, you know, an opinion of what you think of each guy because these are four guys that I hold in very high regard. And, okay. And uh, just kind of wondering your thoughts. The first one's Kobe White. Um, a bucket. Um, that's just the easiest way to describe him. Kobe, like people say, he's uh, he's a point guard. Mm-hmm. Kobe is a scorer. Mm-hmm. He he can score with anyone. And not only can he score, but he's fast with the ball. Mm-hmm. And and um and in talking to him, he was just like, I didn't expect to be playing. He said, I, I knew I was going to do pretty well, but I didn't expect to be playing this well. So 
for him to be playing this well is a, is a pleasant surprise, and it's and it's awesome, and I'm happy for him. Does he play too fast? Does he play faster than his teammates can keep up with? I, I think they can keep up with him, but I think sometimes he gets he gets tunnel vision about getting to the basket mm-hmm. that he does leave his teammates behind. Yeah, it's interesting so to watch him to, take the yeah. ball out of the basket, and then he's at half court and <laughs> running it right up the defense's back. It's and it only it's, leaves him one choice because because I just don't recall at this point seeing that once he gets going that he pulls it back. Mm-hmm. Once he gets going, he's going straight to the basket. Mm-hmm. So that can kind of lead to some bad shots and stuff like that. But if he can play with a little bit more controlled speed and knowing when to push it that quick and keep going and when to pull it back out then I think that will add another dimension to Carolina as well. He's he's one of my he might be one of my favorite top two favorite players in this conference to watch. He, yeah, he's, in, in he's exciting he's to watch. He's to exciting watch to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh number two on my list, DJ Funderburg, forward for NC State. Unexpected surprise. Mm-hmm. Um he's what is he he's what what six ten, six eleven, Yeah, he was he's listed as well, he was kind of a like a stretch five coming out of high school, and then they, yeah, he, some place he, had him listed at small to, forward, others at center. Yeah, he went to JUCO or something like that, right? D two or JUCO, something like that. Yeah, he uh, he he originally committed to Ohio State, never played a game, and then went JUCO and mm-hmm. was one of the best JUCOs in the country. And then he ended up at NC State and right. has played well above my expectations this year. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing because everybody was putting um, everything on market. What's Markel's last name? Johnson. So Markel Johnson, a lot of it was going to be about him. Everything was pretty much been mm-hmm. him and um, Braxton Beverly, right? Is mm-hmm. where where their where um, their offense was going to come from. Now, even though he's averaging like nine and four, nine and five, ten and five, something like that, mm-hmm. for what he does as that big body, he adds a dimension to NC State that can be beneficial to them as long as they use him correctly and give him a chance to do it. Yeah. But he him down low as that big body. He's positive, and I think, like I said, he's been an unexpected surprise for NC State with what he's been able to do this year. Uh, Kai Bowman. You know what? I haven't watched um, BC play this year. I haven't watched them play, but I've just like uh, like when I'm traveling and mm-hmm. I can and I pull up serious. Um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to give a brand name, but there when I'm is. listening to satellite, when I'm listening to satellite radio, <laughs> satellite radio, the one satellite and, um, radio company, right. <laughs> Hey man, not unless they're paying you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody needs to, goddammit. <laughs> but um, just like hearing how he's been playing, and, like he had like a couple of down games, but he's been relatively consistent. Mm. And the kid is just—he just one of those naturally talented guys that people are sleeping on. And people—he's not getting the press that other players in the ACC are getting. But if people really paid attention, they would see how good he really is. Yeah. Uh, last guy, Chris Likes out of Miami. Well, we've had to deal with him twice. Yeah. Um, the first thing I'll say, he's not 5'7". <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're in definite agreement there for sure. I don't care what anyone says. But you talk about Kobe being quick. This kid is cat quick. And not only is he quick, he's strong as hell. Yeah. And he's one of these guys that once he gets going, he's hard to stop. The last time when they came and played Carolina at Carolina, the kid couldn't miss on the, you know, him, Nas and Kobe were switching, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when he was trying to drive to the basket, Nas showed his defensive prowess and, and, and Chris was able to get by him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when he got the dribble and did his little step back, he was just hitting. So when he gets on a roll, 
he's hard to stop. And he is he is he is a little fire plug that's going to get to the hoop, and he makes he makes tough baskets, man. I mean, he, he's a really good player, and I think what happens is his his lack of size mm-hmm. is one of the things that's is, his lack of size is really really glaring, mm-hmm. but his ability is is you know is blinding with how good he is you can't help but see how good he really is even if he's even if he's not tall a tall guy do you think he can play in the league i think he can because the one thing i've always said you know i think when you're in basketball circles everybody always talks about small kids right Mm -hmm. and how good and how good they are yeah you're good in high school you might be good in college but to play in the NBA as a small person, you have to be exceptional. Sure. And I and I see too many small guys who are good, but they're not exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Likes is exceptional, and I think that he can have some success in the league. But that's just me, and I'm a, like I said, I'm a novice. Well, I agree but, with you. I, I you, you know, know I, I grew up yeah. watching Earl Boykins play in the league, and you know, yeah. Boykins was five 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 six in shoes, and I mean, he had a long, healthy career, and he was effective scoring the ball in the league. So. I, I liken Chris Likes to Earl Boykins. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if he's ready this year, but as he gets more consistent and maybe, uh, you know, uh, puts a puts a fine tuning on that outside shot, I, I think he can absolutely play in the league as well. Yeah, and he's not like they have him playing point guard, but he's, like I say, he's another guy who's playing the point who's a scorer. Right. And and I think, because he's not at 5'6", at and, I, and I think I'm being generous, at 5'6", mm-hmm. I don't, he's not going to be able to play the two in the league. No, I, just, no. I just don't see that happening. So he would have to run point. He would have to be a scoring point guard and taking advantage using his speed and getting to the basket when he catches people sleeping or that he's just playing with people who just – there's no way they can keep up with him, which is going to be a large portion of the league. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree 100%. So uh, before I wrap this up, I just wanted to, uh, and this is something I kind of got from the ACC Weekly Podcast, was I just want to open it up to you. Uh, if you got anything you want to promote, any comments you want to make, anything that's maybe uh, that's weighing heavy on you, I just wanted to give you uh, a little bit of time where you can uh, say whatever you're feeling right now. I mean, not, you know, just right now we're just, um, like I said, for Nasir, just um, dealing with the ups and downs, just keeping him positive and hoping that he finishes the season strong and you know, continue to contribute positively to Carolina basketball. Um, in addition to that, ACC basketball is, it's showing and proven that it's cracked up that, you know, to be what everyone thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says, even with the success of Michigan, you know, Michigan State and other Big Ten teams and the success of Tennessee and Kentucky and LSU and the SEC, the ACC, in my eyes, is still by far the best basketball conference, and and, and they're 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 just very very. This is just a very good conference, and buoyed by teams like Duke and Virginia, and dare I say, even though I'm a little bit biased, <laughs> Carolina, you know, just it just it's a it's a top heavy league, and and they're just by far better than other leagues, and and I'm just happy to watch the season man and watch the league play man yeah i'm, I'm really excited I, I'm, I'm ready for championship week i'm ready for some tournaments but i'm not ready for the season to be over so um yeah <laughs> i uh you know right now i'm just i'm kind of find uh trying to find different avenues for the podcast while we while we get to that point in the last few weeks but yeah, uh but i think for you during the season mm-hmm. the podcast is better 
and it is, it, it's always gotten better since I first started listening to it, but you don't realize how good it is until you listen to the podcast in season mm-hmm. because you have so much more content. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate so that. So it, it just, it just makes the, it just makes the podcast that much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, you I, know, I hope, what I'm talking about contract yeah. situations in July, you know, nobody's really listening to that <laughs> nonsense. So yeah, for sure. Um, T, I thank you for joining me again, brother. I thought this was a really good episode, and uh, you know, hope you guys finish strong. And I've been on the Carolina bandwagon all year, so uh, since G Tech probably won't be in the tournament, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll ride it out with you guys. I think. All right, Mike. Hey, wish us luck for Wednesday night, man. Yes, sir. Have a good evening, man. All right, have a good one. Take care, bro. Later. Peace.